Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Empowered Women's Podcast. I'm actually excited to be chatting to Roxanne today. She's a life coach and love coach. She's an inspirational speaker, a spiritual guide, and energy healer. And you guys know how much I love all things spirituality. So I am excited for this chat today. She also guides individuals to transition into long-term sustainable change. Um, has also been interviewed on TV for her work as well as other podcasts. So Roxanne, good morning and good evening and welcome to the show. Good morning and good evening. Thank (laughs) you for having me, Amanda. I'm super, super pumped to be here. Yeah, no, it's good. Now, obviously, judging by the accent, we've had a couple of American guests on the show of late. So whereabouts (laughs) in America are you? I'm in North America. I'm in Canada in Ontario, Canada. Yeah. Cool. All right. Cool. And have you grown up there your whole life? No, I actually um, was born in the United States in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and Mm kind of came this way after my parents separated to kind of be reunited with family and friends um, from my mom's side. So we came back to Canada. Yeah. But I'm born and half raised in the States and half raised in Canada. Okay, but what's your ethnicity? What's your nationality? Okay. Uh, well, I'm American, French, and Métis, and I have a bit of Romanian in me as well. <laughs> right. And who's who? What's mom? What's dad? Mom is French Métis, um, and Métis? my dad Métis. Métis is Indigenous, so it's a, a French Indigenous um, like Native culture. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Never so heard that's of kind it. of where the yeah, so that's kind of where the shamanism comes in. It's kind of a generational. Yeah, okay. So is mum spiritual? Uh, no, not as much. <laughs> More so me, but my great-great-grandmother was very, very spiritual. And I kind of got lost along the way a little bit yeah. after um, back then it was kind of stigmatized to be um, of Native descent or to be Métis. So yeah, it just kind of was like a whole thing in history that had happened. And so nobody really wanted to claim that they were Métis or Native because it, it wasn't, it was kind of like not frowned upon. I wouldn't say that, which is really sad, but mm. it just was looked down on just because of how, how the culture was kind of crumbling into the eyes of everyone else, but not to myself. <laughs> right. Okay. And so is your dad Romanian? He takes a Romanian sign. Yeah, he's French mm. and um, English, and I'm sure there's some other mixture there. And and his great grandmother was Romanian. Okay, understood. Well, there you go, a whole mixed bag. Yeah. <laughs> um, you do have a long list of qualifications, but we kind of condensed them all into one. Um, so why so many qualifications? Let's talk about you now. Obviously, um, I guess give us a background on yourself. Why do you do what you do? Absolutely. So I'll talk, I'll kind of speak a little bit to my qualifications and just say that there's a reason why I, you know, wanted to really be certified in so many different things is that I want to be able to guide and facilitate others and be able to have that knowledge in order to push them forward in order to be able to guide them thoroughly and properly with the right knowledge at hand. So that's why to me, you know, receiving and attaining all those certifications were very important for me even as I was working with clients, because I feel that when I'm able to transcend that knowledge to them and on top, in addition to like the spiritual knowledge and the channeling that comes through me, I think that that is just kind of like a, a powerful force to be reckoned with. So that was kind of the motive behind those certifications, Mm. but how I really came about to be where I am today is I just, ever since I was a little girl, I had this deep knowingness. I knew that I was meant to have like a very 
massive impact on humanity. I knew that I was meant to serve humanity. Mm. I just didn't really understand in what facet that was. And I had this burning sensation within my body and like just this crazy knowingness throughout, throughout my entire being, just knowing that I was meant to help shift others. And it was so funny because I was a little girl, like five or six and adults were coming to me <laughs> and they were coming to me for guidance and they would be sharing their entire life story with a five-year-old, like just asking me what, like, I think they should do. My friends would be coming to me and my mom's like, oh my goodness, like you should be a psychologist or you should kind of go into like the counseling realm. And I just never felt that that spoke to my soul and it just didn't mm. align with who I was. I yeah. didn't want to be going at like a systemic issue of like just the physical being. I was more deep into like the cellular level and like, the, like the soulfulness of the being Yeah, 100%. like that really. Yeah. So that didn't hit home. And then no one really could kind of validate those things that I was feeling when I was a little girl. Cause I would ask everyone, like, do you have this feeling that, you know, you're meant for something great but you just can't explain it and everyone was like well no like I'm gonna be a lawyer or a doctor <laughs> like mm, that's mm, my, mm, point. my mission I'm like no like not that feeling like not knowing just what you're going to do with like your career but like what you actually feel compelled to do within your soul it's very different so, feeling yeah and like just yeah. going through life I never really had anyone that could and I came from a small town like when we moved to Canada it's a very small town it's it's a little bit more closed-minded it's not very open spirituality wise, like it, it took time to get there. It wasn't this way, like how it is now where it's like, it's spoken more in the open. It was a little bit more conserved, like a more of a conservative town. So like, I really didn't have anything to measure my feelings to, or to have anyone validate those feelings. So I kind of just put it to the wayside and kind of forgot that, that, you know, like the purpose of it, but I always had that feeling still like resonating inside of me. And then after, you know, going through so many unhealthy relationships to like a very unhealthy marriage and an abusive marriage, when I left with my three children and when I had my daughter, I really started to awaken to who I really was, like the powerful woman that I was inside. And then after that, shortly after that, I had four near-death experiences and that kind of all brought me to my healing journey and to my shamanic indigenous roots. And it just allowed me to flourish my gifts. And then I knew. I knew without a doubt that I was meant to serve others. And then I had like this crazy dream for four, almost four months straight of this beautiful indigenous woman coming to me in my dream. Mm. And the connection to her in my dream felt like she was my grandmother. And like the love was just radiating out of her. And she was by this ravine with teepees behind her. And she kept chanting the same indigenous song over and over and over again. And I was like, what, what does this signify? Like, what does this mean? Like, I couldn't, I couldn't understand what it meant. And then I had met with a celestial galactic guide who was kind of my spiritual mentor at the time. And she told me, she's calling you to the land. She's calling you to come and live to your purpose. And then as soon as I kind of started pursuing that and went on that journey of healing, my whole life changed. And I knew, I knew every fiber in my being that that is exactly what I was meant to do was to help others. Mm. When you say you had near death experiences, you say you had four near death experiences. Yeah. What was that about? So the first time after I had left my marriage, um, 
literally I was going skiing. So there's winter here in Canada. <laughs> oh, we almost live in igloos at some point of the year. No, I'm okay. sorry to hear. It's hot here 24 <laughs> seven. And uh, we had decided to go skiing and I had this weird feeling the night before, like I didn't want to go. And I, I was, I didn't want to cancel last minute because it just wasn't who I was, Yeah. but I just had like this, this eerie feeling that mm. like something wasn't right. And when we were driving and I let him drive my car and he had never driven my SUV before. And we're in a massive snowstorm. Shit. And anyway, we were going too fast on a little road, but it's because we couldn't see like, um, like the speed limit signs, like the kilometers per hour. When you say too fast, do you remember how fast you were going? Oh, like we were only going maybe 50, 55, but in that kind of weather, like kilometers an hour, in that kind of weather. Yeah. So um, the roads were slippery, like covered in ice and all that. Oh yeah. There there was about three feet of snow already on the ground. Like it was. Did your tires have chains on them? Is that what you do to kind of drive through the snow? No, like I have an all-wheel drive SUV and it's pretty usually good. Like the traction's pretty, pretty good on it. Mm. Um, but some people here do have studded tires. They're no longer, they don't allow, they don't permit chains anymore because it just damages the roads too much. Yeah, but right. um, people are allowed like their studded tires, but my vehicle doesn't come with studded tires. So you can't get them for that model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we were driving on this, on this like little highway. It was like um kind of like a quaint highway. It was actually really beautiful. And all of a sudden the highway just cut, it was like, like a country back road kind of Mm. like, like idea. And all of a sudden the highway just cut into like a 90 degree cut. And one side was the rock cliff and the other side was the cliff and the snow acted like a ramp towards the guardrail. So we literally launched 90 feet airborne, 50 feet airborne out and landed on a frozen lake. (laughs) And the only thing that wasn't damaged throughout that entire thing, like we weren't gaping of wounds. Like we weren't not, we weren't injured like to like an extreme, like amount, like no broken limbs or anything of that. So you flew off the side and then landed on a frozen lake. What was the impact of that like? Oh, like crazy. Like your whole life flashed before your eyes because it was a massive drop like a massive drop oh my god (laughs) and we landed on snow obviously so I think that little bit broke the fall and we landed on a frozen lake and the the car started going through the lake because (gasps) on impact (laughs) like the ice is not expecting an impact like of of a a ton vehicle (laughs) landing on it yeah so we were like oh my goodness like we need to get out so like we were People were like, oh no, we called like EMS, like the ambulance, everything over here. And like, just stay in the vehicle. We're like, oh no, like we're not staying in the vehicle. The vehicle's going in the lake. Like yeah, we yeah. need to get out. So yeah, we like, yeah. we're panicking. We're trying to like get were up. Were you quite cliff. hurt at this stage? Like, were you, did you shock. feel any pain? No, I was in complete shock. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going through shock. But the only thing that wasn't injured were, were ourselves, like the driver and myself and my crystal angel that was hanging in the rear view mirror. Oh, mate, I tell you, when you got the angels watching you, like <laughs> when it's not your time, it's not your time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So then, yeah, so that's kind of what happened the first time. And thankfully we were okay. And when they were sweeping the our SUV, like my SUV out, we had literally missed a huge, massive boulder of a rock by two millimeters. And if we would have landed on it or we would have been crushed on impact. Oh, my God. So what injuries did you suffer from that? 
I only had some joint issues after like when my pelvis and a little bit of my back and my hip and a bit of my neck, but it all kind of worked its way out with like Cairo and physio, but nothing, nothing that it should be. Yeah. Yeah, And the police officer and the tow truck company. And they were like, Oh my goodness. Like, how are you guys alive? I'm Mm. like, and we landed on our tires. Like technically the way that we had hit the guardrail because we had hit it more now. No, we hit it more on the left, the way that we went over the guardrail. So really what should have happened is we should have completely flipped the vehicle on impact. Which would have killed you, obviously. Yeah, that and the boulder, either or would have killed us. Instantly. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Thank so, God for yeah, that. That's insane. Just, I just have chills. And it's so like, funny. Yeah. So yeah. what are the other and three situations? I was a little girl, Amanda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. You talk. Yeah. Ever since I was a little girl, I had this dream that I was going over a cliff, but it wasn't the winter. It was summertime. Mm. And I was always going over a guardrail and landing in water, but I never saw the fall happen. Right. So it's like a premonition that you'd had. <laughs> it was so it was so weird. And oh, then uh, the next three times were, were something similar. It was just, I, I started hemorrhaging in my uterus, start hemorrhaging. I had like massive blood clots happening and I was hemorrhaging to death on three different occasions. Is this after the accident? The issue the first time. This yeah. is after the accident. It wasn't yeah. caused by the accident. Yeah. Right. Okay. It wasn't, there was no impact from the, no. Okay. All right. Cool. Unbelievable. You know, sometimes people there, you know, when your path is ridden, um, some, some people are just faced with way more trauma than others, you know, and you're obviously were gifted from a young age and your purpose was to obviously be a channel to help other people. And unfortunately us helpers have to go through so much trauma to then be a guiding light to others. So I'm talking to Roxanne on Zoom for those that can't see the the video, but she's basically got this cool little green screen backdrop with angel wings and a halo above. And we're very lucky to have her here by the sounds of it. So very, very lucky. It's cool. All right. So how long have you been practicing everything that you've been practicing for? How many years has it been now? Yeah. So the life and love coaching, really, I've been doing that my entire life. (laughs) Um, But when I actually started my business was over two years ago and the shamanism has been over, over two years now. Okay. When people come to you, I mean, what's your, what, who is your ideal client? First of all, let's list all the qualifications you have one by one. You want to list them? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. You, you, you list them. Yeah, perfectly. So, um, yeah, so I'm a certified life coach. So purpose life coach, I'm a certified transformational life coach. I'm a per, like a certified, well, I'll just, I don't need to say certified anymore. Mm. Um, I'm a forgiveness coach enlightened relationship coach. I do cognitive behavior therapy coaching. I just got my NLP certification as well. So mm-hmm. I do neuro-linguistic programming. Mm-hmm. I do confidence coaching, emotional intelligence coaching that I already mentioned that one. And, um, yeah, I think that's, about it i have about seven or eight certifications there so law of attraction coach positive oh, attraction. coach yeah yep. yeah <laughs> so did these were these only like sort of short courses that you got to do uh, no they're about well they're about seven months each yeah which is a decent amount of time yeah 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 okay so yeah. you've spent more time studying than you have <laughs> living life <laughs> and living life and nearly getting killed in the process of 
which makes her an amazing asset to helping others. Absolutely. Um, so have you, because, you know, with helping people, there's always some challenges, right? And usually we can be in front of the eight ball and always sort of know the right things to say to clients. But have you ever been faced with a very challenging or difficult client? Yes, absolutely. I think we all have. I think that mm. coming from the coaching realm, I think the most important thing, and this is why consultations and connection calls are so important in our realm, mm. is to actually really understand if we are energetically aligned and there's a beautiful synergy within the client and is the client coachable because clients we don't, as a coach, we don't own the results of our clients. They own their own results and they have their own accountability piece. We are just there to help them attain it and keep them accountable in the coaching space. So I think that when we have an uncoachable client or a difficult client, I think it all has to come back to, are they ready to be coached and are they ready to move forward? Are they ready to change their life? Because we're essentially here in order to, for them to have and to live to their highest purpose. So if they're resisting that and they're not willing to kind of meet us at the element that they need to meet us in order to move that forward, Mm -hmm. then that accountability piece needs to fall onto the client. And I'm very clear about that in the beginning of my consultations with my clients. Yeah. So have you, can you give us an example of working with a difficult client and maybe they started out difficult and then you got them across the line and they had a complete transformation? Have you ever had something like that? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So I had a client who had went through a very tumultuous breakup and um, he almost had an obsession um, for his ex Mm -hmm. and wasn't willing to let it go was almost, almost the sessions were more about just speaking about her and about her journey and how could he get her back. It had nothing really to do with his own self-mastery journey. Sure. So I think it just took a lot of difficult conversations and I'm very honest. I'm very frank with my clients. I'm very real. Like I don't, there's no, there's no fluff. Like I'll call it what it is and I'll call bullshit what it is. And that's what a coach is. That's what a real coach is. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, we just had a few very like frank conversations surrounding what I, what I was noticing and what I was you know, being a part of. And I told them like, if, if you're not here for the right reasons, like this relationship isn't going to work. Like I can't, I can't guide you if you're, if you're stuck on trying to fix someone else or trying to get somebody else back, because that's not how it works. You Mm. need to work on yourself and work on that self mastery and whatever happens from that will happen from that naturally. That's not something that you have control over. And those are things that like I had to have countless conversations with. And then he finally awakened to the thought, like, oh, like shit, like the problem is me. (laughs) Like this isn't getting me anywhere and I'm paying a lot of money. So I probably should start listening. Mm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we ended up getting him to a really great place. He really did well on his self-mastery journey when he actually decided to turn and focus on himself instead of everything about um, his past partner. Did they get back together? Do you know? No. No. Okay. This is a short ad break. A quick question. Do you run a small business that could potentially help empower women? Then I'd love to hear from you. The Empowered Women's Podcast is now taking sponsorship applications. So see my email link in the show notes below. Pitch us your business and we can set up a time to chat and I can run you through how it all works. Okay, back to the show. And initially he was just acquiring my services and like 
in like an attempt and a step in order to get her back to say like, Hey, look, I'm getting help. And like, I'm working with someone, but it really wasn't for the right reasons at the beginning. Yep. Okay. So how long were you working with him for? Uh, a year and a half. Wow. Okay. And yeah. by the end of it, could he see that he was better off without her? Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't that he, that she was, she was a bad person or a bad relationship. She just yep. wasn't the right partner and he wasn't the right partner for her. And I think it was yeah. just, it took that time for him to notice because he was very stubborn about it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And usually like I get results within minimum, like maximum, usually 90 days, like 90 days to 120 days. And yeah. my clients are good to go. Mm-hmm. But when they have that, you know, when they're stubborn like that, and when they, they keep not wanting to take the accountability, it makes it a lot more challenging. And then mm-hmm. when they start actually doing really well on their journey, they're almost afraid to let go of their coach. Right. Because <laughs> it's almost like, I want to keep progressing and I don't want to, I don't want to digress or regress into who I was. So I show. it was I more show. that way. And I think when he realized that, you know, there was things on both ends that they were both being treated unhealthily, like it wasn't mm. healthy from both ends. And I think once those things were pointed out to him, it was more of an aha moment, more of a pivotal moment on he, I think he was just more stuck on the fantasy of that person because of her beauty and, and what, he, you know, he, his vision of what she should have been in his life. I think this is a fantastic segue into something you and I spoke about off air. So something you mentioned in our initial chat is you said people are addicted to love where it's an act, uh, it's an addiction. An addiction is an act of desperation, a selfish act where it's all a one-sided need um, where there's no real work in addictions. So let's unpack that now. Cause that's, that's pretty much bang on to what we've just spoke about. Yeah, absolutely. So there, you know, being in a light relationship coach, I've, <laughs> I've done a lot of research <laughs> yeah. and, and we have like a lot of us, a lot of us beings are, are codependent on love and we are addicted to love. And when you know that you're addicted to love is when you're in one relationship and it's tumultuous and you're almost like, it's like, like consistent highs and lows. Like you're mm-hmm. always going through highs and lows in a relationship, but it's almost like a self-sabotage in the relationship that's happening in order to be able to feel the dopamine and to feel the low and to be able to feel the serotonin. Right. So that's what ends up happening. And that's any addiction is when we're, when we're adjusting the brain chemicals that can become an addiction. That's why drugs are so addictive. That's why alcohol is so addictive because we're releasing parts of the brain that really stimulate us and that yeah. really make it feel good in the moment. And it's the same thing when we argue with a partner and then, you know, you have that low and then you get the high. So a lot of people are addicted to love in that sense. And then you have people that are addicted to love in relationships where they can never be alone. As soon as they're in one relationship and that relationship ends, they're automatically putting themselves into a new relationship and the cycle continually goes round and round and round and cycle and cycle. And what ends up happening is that usually the person that is addicted to love, what ends up happening is they're with this new person. It's all high. It's all great and lovey, lovey, dovey. And oh my goodness, it's so exciting. It's so exciting. And then six months goes by and then they start feeling exactly how they felt in the, at the beginning of the relationship because the high isn't happening anymore. So they almost think that there's something wrong with the partner. Oh, it's not working. I don't feel the same way, but it has nothing to do with that. What ends up happening is that 
we, that person entering the relationship already felt that way, never actually dealt with those emotions and never actually went on that self-discovery journey, never took that time to self-reflect and be self-aware. So when they got into this new relationship, it was exciting. It was great. It was high. They love so much. You know, you have all this great chemistry and all these things. And when that dissipates, and then you actually end up feeling the exact emotions that you did prior to that, Mm. then that ends up being the low. And then they end up ending the relationship and then going into the next relationship for that next high. Yeah. Oh, I know people like that. (laughs) (laughs) I know people just like that, whether it's exes or friends or what have you, they just don't want to be alone because it's too scary. And it's a lot easier with sweeping it under the carpet, going into the next relationship, going, oh, my shit's still broken. What do you know? 12 months later, back in the same position. So someone is far better off spending six or 12 months being solo, trying to fix things. Like me personally, I've been single now for three years. I've had a couple of flings along the way, but nothing serious. And a lot of work has happened in that time, a lot of work. But I'd rather spend three years being properly single, having a few flings along the way, but getting and sweeping away as much dirt and shit as possible so that, you know, I'm ready to meet that up-leveled woman who's everything I could have possibly wanted. It's been hard though. Like it has been hard to be, um, you you know, you go through your lonely moments, you go through, you cry at night, you want someone, you miss someone, but then it's kind of like, like me personally, I'm at this space now where I'm like, I'm so focused on other stuff. I really, it's the furthest thing away from my head right now, but it's not easy. And not many people are willing to face the dark night of the soul. Yeah. And I think that when we actually are able to stand with our soul and sit with our soul, then we know that we're then ready for a partner. The moment mm-hmm. that you you know, stop having that sensation that you're alone and that you're lost and that you don't have that companionship. Mm. The moment that you drop that sensation, that's when the right thing enters your life and it's able to enter your life. Yeah. Because until that moment, until you're okay with your soul, how can anybody else be okay with your soul? Correct. So when, when we're together and we're alone and we're going through those dark moments, those dark moments are needed because those are the reflections that we're seeing in the mirror that we need to pay attention to and that we need to master. Those are the things that we need to be working on for ourselves. If we don't feel comfortable with ourselves being alone, the question is why? Mm. How do you get more comfortable being on your own? (laughs) I love being on my own. (laughs) Are you in a relationship? I am now like I'm, I'm engaged and everything, but like before him, like I loved being alone and I was okay being alone. And like with him, it's so much greater. And I love it. Like no woman ever, or no man ever said, Oh, I don't want to fall in love today with the right person. (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard that happen anywhere in the world, but maybe. Um, But I think that when you have that time alone and just not having that other extra responsibility of somebody else's emotions and somebody else's thoughts and all those other things, it's not being selfish. It's about actually focusing and tuning in on to what you truly desire. Mm. So when you're alone, this is the time to find your hobbies, to find yourself because you didn't, you never really knew ourselves. We never really knew ourselves because what happens is we're born, we have birth. And then all of a sudden, all these conditionings and conformities of what we should do, how we should do things, what, you know, what hobbies we should like, all these things come into play and we lose that sense of our soul and who we truly are and the essence of our being. 
So when we take that time and we really try and like, you know, do that deep dive and realize what are we passionate about? Like, what do I love doing? Do I love serving others? Do I love volunteering? Do I love singing? Do I love dancing? And if I love those things, why am I not doing those things for myself? And I think it's just finding ourselves in in that facet and being able to be okay with ourselves in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Get some hobbies, get some hobbies and do things for you. Absolutely. There's nothing worse than being codependent on someone else or then having all these hobbies and then dropping everything the minute you meet someone and like, you've got to then rebuild all of that all over again. That's yeah. That, that's a hard place to sort of come back from when you, yeah. you're relying on someone else for your happiness. Yeah. Yeah. And you should never li- rely on anyone else for your happiness. That happiness mm. has to come from within. And that's why so many relationships fail today is because we have this expectation that somebody else should keep us and sustain our happiness meter. And Mm. that's not realistic. That's not realistic to put that pressure on the other person. That's not realistic that we are codependent on somebody else to make us feel a certain way or to be happy consistently. That has, that work has to come from within. Amen. So you've been in a toxic relationship yourself or abusive relationship? Oh yeah. Like countless. Okay. Can we talk about some of the aspects around that, why it was happening what was happening from childhood that was unhealed and then it was happening in the relationship. What did you then do to fix it? And then how is your partner now different? Absolutely. So definitely stemming from childhood, father was absent, not purposely, just he was in the military in a different country and started a new family. So like the self-worth, am I worthy of love? All these things came into play. Who Mm. am I? Why doesn't my dad want me? You know, like all these questions came into play, but not knowing Mm. as a child that that's not really what was transpiring. But as a child, we, you know, we, we emotionalize everything and we don't know what adult issues are, you know, like we just know how we feel and, and that's the brunt of it. Yeah. So I think just having that childhood, you know, of not feeling worthy of good love and having, you know, that abandonment a little bit of that side, not like I said, it wasn't intentional, but that's just what I felt like when I was a child to then meeting a man that was similar to my father, um, looking for that father kind of, you know, role model kind of love, like to, you know, take, you know, and want me around and to value me. But it just ended up being a terrible cycle after a terrible cycle, just because none of these men valued me the way that I was meant to be valued because I didn't value my, my freaking self. You know what I mean? Like Mm. I didn't value myself. I didn't think I was worthy of great love. I thought I deserve what I got and I should settle for that. I didn't understand that I could have such a powerful and an amazing love that I have today and a supportive love that I have today. I never knew that that was possible for myself, even though I saw my mom and my stepdad have a beautiful relationship, a beautiful marriage. I just didn't think that was possible for me because I thought there was a part of me that was unlovable because that's why my dad wasn't around. So that's what I carried with me for all those years. And that's why I kept going into the same cycle with the same person with a different face and a different name over and over and over again until I had my daughter. And I was like, what am I effing doing? What am I doing? How old's your daughter? She's, she's going to be six this month. <laughs> yep. Okay. So that's obviously from a different relationship, not the one that you're currently yeah. in. Yep. Okay. Yeah. How old are you, Roxanne? Cause you look quite young. Oh yeah. I'm, well, I'm going to be 29 for the eighth time. <laughs> okay. <Right. laughs> 
<laughs> no, I'm third. I'm going to be 38 this year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you look really fresh for 38. You look great. Um, all right. So what were some of the things? So that with these exes, were they emotionally unavailable? Were they aggressive? Were they physically abusive? Like what was the, yeah. what, what made them? All of that all of that, like, okay. um, not, not the emotionally unavailable, I guess in a sense, emotionally unavailable, but really was more like the physical aggression, um, the abuse, like the mental anguish, the verbal, like all those things mm. came into play. It was like, I, I can't even like going back. I I'm looking at that. I'm like, how did I ever put myself in that situation? Like, I just, I still have a hard time rationalizing that. And I know like it's, it's irrational. Like there's no way that I can rationalize that, but I needed to go through that in order to get where I was today. Mm. But I look back and I'm like, what was I thinking? You know, like, why didn't anybody shake me and be like, what are you doing? You don't know what you don't know. And until you do the work and if they don't do the work, they're not going to know any better either, unfortunately. So, um, so then what, what did your healing journey look like after that? Did you work with some coaches? Um, did you do some online reading, uh, podcasting? What, what did it kind of compile of? Yeah. So really for me, for my self-healing journey, like I've read the self-help books, like they're good for some things, but I didn't feel like those actually healed me. Like, I don't feel like those mm. healed me within my soul. I tried counseling, especially after I left my marriage, because I wanted to make sure that you know, like that I understood fully why I had left. Married twice, yeah? Just married the once, engaged oh, once. now. Okay, yeah, 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 yep. okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then, um, yeah, so I, like I just felt like the self-help books, you know, like I tried like even YouTubing things. I had a, like a, my own coach that I was working with, but she was a little bit newer, so she wasn't as knowledgeable for like the things that I had already went through. Like she had never went through those things herself, so it was very hard for her to speak to it. And then I had met with a counselor for a while, but again, like I wasn't feeling like I was being healed. Like I, I didn't feel like I was gaining knowledge and I felt like I was becoming more knowledgeable, but I didn't feel like I was actually healing at my soul. I felt like I was just having knowledge in order. Okay. Like if I get this trigger, I need to do this or, you know, like just physical things in order to kind of help facilitate and give me the tools. So after that, like I had went through all that and like none of that really worked in my behaviors and the cycle wasn't really changing. Like I, I kept wanting to go back into the same cycle. I'm like, why is this happening? Like, no, like I need to break this. And what do I need to do to do that? Mm. And when I had that dream of that beautiful indigenous woman who felt like my grandmother coming into my dream, what ended up happening was that Um, so one day when, after I had met with my spiritual guide, she said, well, she's calling you to the land. And I knew exactly which land that she was calling me to. Mm -hmm. And I literally got like that morning, it was pouring rain. It was torrential pour here in uh, Canada. And literally it was like, I couldn't even see, like I was driving and like, I couldn't even see what was in front of me. That's like how much rain was coming down. And the place that I was going to, the healing ground that I was going to, and I knew it was healing ground when I walked upon it, because I feel the energy of the earth, of the trees, of the animals. Like I know where there's healing grounds and I know where there's disruption and like, like disruptive energy in any ground as well. Like I'm, I've always been very receptive to that. Mm -hmm. 
So I knew that morning that I needed to go to this place. So I drove two and a half hours. I told my, my, you know, my fiance at the time, like, listen, like I need to go and go on this healing journey. And he was like, Oh, like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going in the bush by myself. He's like, okay, well, bring protection, make sure you're safe. You know, like there's bears like, here. I'm just like, going to go and rub some trees and like roll around in the grass for a bit and like talk to birds and stuff. I'll be back soon. Love you. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> so then I get like the whole time there, the whole drive there, I'm crying my eyes out, crying, 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 crying. Mm-hmm. And I haven't cried in years. Like I've been so numb and so like almost like a dagger in my heart. Like I just wasn't able to release the tears for a very long time just because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. almost like that was keeping me sane. Sure. And uh, anyway, so I, I get to this beautiful healing ground and I walk to this healing rock and I knew it was a healing rock and I'm doing my smudging ceremony. It's an indigenous ceremony that I was doing. And I'm doing the ceremony on this rock and literally it is pouring rain all around me and not one single drop hit me the entire four, almost four and a half hours that I was there. Not wow. one drop of water, wow. What? not one drop of water. Crazy. All of a sudden, what ends up happening, I start seeing a bunny come out of the bush, a deer, like a little chipmunk, like, like hummingbirds, like really? all these animals. And I, like, I know that I have connections to the animal kingdom. So Noah's Ark started to approach you. <laughs> I was just like, oh my goodness. And like, I felt like the radiating, like love of like the earth or the rock, oh. everything was just, it was so incredible. Like I literally cried for probably a good nine hours that day. <sighs> And then I was like, I need to do this for every other woman <laughs> that has went through something similar. And this is my mission. And I now know this because now I know that this is effective and this is the way to heal. So when was that, that? When did you do that? Over two years ago. So this is before you became a coach, just before. And then you're like, boom, this is my purpose. And then you went yeah. into coaching. Is that right? I was already a coach. I just didn't start my own business yet. Right. Okay. And this forest that you went to, was this known for being a spiritual ground or how did you choose this spot? Yes, it is. Um, it's not known to like the public or to anyone else. It's just, if you have the indigenous roots, you know, where the healing grounds are and you know, where there's kind of disruption in the energetic, in the energetic fields. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So, so not like, where did you stay? Did you stay in a tent? Like what were you sleeping in? How long were you there for? I was just there for the entire day in pouring okay. rain. Yeah. And then I not a not a drop. Out. Not a drop hit you. Not one drop. Did you move? No, Did you like move from the I spot? moved like on the rock? Nothing hit me. Nothing hit the entire rock. And like when I got there, it was slightly wet. Like it was dampened. So I don't know yeah. if like water was spraying on it from the trees. I have no idea, but not one drop had hit me the entire way. When I went in the entire way that I like the entire time that I was on the healing rock and the entire time that I left the forest, nothing had hit me. No what, And it was downpour. That's crazy. Uh, just you, you're so protected. You are so <laughs> protected spiritually. Like it's evident. Yeah. Like you're just unbelievable. Uh, and if anyone doesn't believe in it, <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. Look, it just it's fascinating. So when you had those animals come to you, were they coming directly to you? The one bunny and the chipmunk did. Like they came, the bunny came right to the rock. The chipmunk came. So chipmunks here are very friendly, but wow. he literally was just like hanging out right beside me because I had like this pack sack with all my gear, with like my machete. 
<laughs> my ceremonial be. stuff because there's black bears like you just you never and wolves so you have wow. to kind of be careful not that I would yeah. ever want to injure an animal but I do have to protect my for uh, sure. like uh, honestly for me like I know if I go in the forest I'm protected like I'm not worried it was more for you know my partners what if? What if? What <laughs> keep in mind yeah. that I was like I had something in case something happened to me you know mm, mm, um mm. but for me like I don't fear those things. I'll go in the bush with nothing. And I just know that I'm going to be fine. Like, I know, like, I just have this weird feeling, but yeah. So those were the two animals that came to me, the deer, like kept looking at me and was like eating, like feeding off the grass and just like kept like bobbing her head at me. Like, oh, she was so beautiful. Did you film it? And then your phone out and just start filming it. I didn't have my phone at all. No, I didn't have my phone at all because that like to me was like my disconnection of everything yeah honestly I wish I would have I wish that somebody would have been filming the entire thing and be like wow it sounds and when like I came um, home, my husband's like yeah when I came home I had like my my partner is like why are you not soaked I'm like not one drop of water hit me not one drop how he unbelievable was like, wow <laughs> so what does your partner do so for like, a living He's like, he helps um, the elderly, like he works in an elderly home. Mm-hmm. So he's a, he's a healer as well, so he helps, to a certain like, degree. Yeah. So he, yeah. He helps them. He helps take care of them through like their mm-hmm. final stages of life and all that. Okay. Bless him. Does he have um, a spiritual background or is he open to spirituality like yourself? Uh, he's open to spirituality, like everything before me, like he didn't really have too much faith in like a specific religion or anything of that nature. Mm. But like, since meeting me, like, he was like, wow, like that makes so much sense. I'm like, you know what? Like, we just have to go with what, what resonates with us, what, you know, we deem to feel that is true. Like, we don't have to go with what everybody else just says it is. If something feels right for you in one religion and another religion and all together, if that feels right for you, then that's okay. For sure. And I think for him to see what's been happening to me, like he's been so like, he's been exposed to so many things and he calls me his seer because he's like, how did you know that was going to (laughs) happen? Like, how did you know this? How did you know that? Because I'm I'm a psychic and I've nearly died four (laughs) times. That's why. And the rain didn't fall on me and animals know how to have a conversation with me. That's how. (laughs) And there were so many synchronicities when we met that he, he couldn't even, he was like, I can't even, like, I can't even believe that all those things have happened. And um, he had died when he was two. He had drowned when he was two. He was in a pool. There was like a cover over a pool and he had fell in the pool and like the tarp had went over him and he was dead for, I think. His mom said 20 to 30 minutes. He was like, not they revived him. His uncle had worked on him for, I think, 20 to 30 minutes and they rushed him to the emerge and he he survived. So um, how did you two meet and how, I guess, how is he different? Was it instant chemistry between you two? And we, did you do any manifestation around attracting him into your life? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think we both manifested each other, but mm. I'll tell you something really funny after, mm. um, we met through Tinder mm-hmm. after I had left my marriage. I didn't know what Tinder was. I was married. I was with someone for 11 years. I had no idea what this was. Mm-hmm. My, my sister, who's much younger than I was, she was like, you need to go on Tinder. <laughs> I was like, Oh, you know what? I'll try it. I have nothing to like nothing go again. Like, yeah. I don't have time to go anywhere. I'm a single mom of three kids. Like, where am I going? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's try this for sure. And then we met on Tinder 
And then um, we started, like, we started just chatting. We didn't meet right away. And I knew instantly that he was the one. And he knew instantly that I was the one. Like our conversations were just like flowing. It was almost like I was talking to myself. Yeah, right. It was like I was texting myself. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like yeah. the way he responds is the exact way I respond. Like he goes line by line, just like I go line by line. It was like, oh my goodness. But obviously there was that attraction there too from the start. Oh yeah. Like I was like, yeah, like dream guy, dream. Like I love him. Like it just, to me, he's perfect. Like I knew yeah. right away. And when I met him at first, like it was like instant chemistry, like euphoric sex, like everything was oh, love that. incredible incredible like yeah in freaking incredible like blew my freaking mind off like it was like what is this <laughs> and did you um yeah that's the best best ever so did you put like together a manifestation um like of values and and what he looked like yeah. and how he spoke yeah. and you did all of that and then how yeah. long until you met him so the laws of attraction, right? I have always used the laws of attraction and it's not just the law of attraction. It's like mm. the law of correspondence, the law of action. There's 12 universal laws that come into play with the law of attraction. Right. I literally had written a list of my perfect man, of my perfect partner. And I listed every single character trait, every value, every, every, every little detail I put in there. And he is absolutely every single thing and more. Right. We're going to do another podcast, sorry, on the 12 laws of attraction. So I'll talk to you after this about that. We'll book in a time for that because I want to really unpack that. Keep going. Sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, so Mm. I had written this list and, you know, it was just from experiencing all the shitty relationships that I have. So I knew exactly what I didn't want. Mm. And the laws of attraction, you never write what you don't want. You write what you do want, right? Like that's very, very, very important when we're doing the law of attraction. If not, you're creating resistance to what you actually desire. So I made sure to write out everything positively from the physical look, from the sex to everything, to like his core values, to his family values, to his job, like everything that I had listed, he, like I said, he is and more. So anyway, so we met and I was like, wow, it's him. And my sister always told me, even when I was married, she's like, I I know this is not the person for you. She's like, I see him in my dreams and it's not him. And when I sent her the picture of him, when I was like, I was kind of like, I was talking to three guys on Tinder. I was like, well, which one should I go on a date with? Like, which one do you think is, you know, cute? I was trying to get her feedback. Yeah. She's like, oh my God. Like she sent me a message. She's like, this is the guy from my freaking dream. (gasps) This is the guy. And when I showed my mom the picture, she's like, he's the one. Oh, they both said the the same thing. Then I find, then I find out that my son and his, like, like his son, sorry. And my daughter were baptized side by side in the same church together. Same day, same time. (laughs) Things are just meant to happen, aren't they? Like when you meet someone, you've already met them. You've actually already met them really, whether it's in past life. Or people that you know that that six degrees of separation then becomes like two degrees of separation. And then eventually when the time's right, you meet properly. But yeah, I'm a big believer that in some way, shape or form, you've probably already crossed paths somehow. Yeah. And like when we were children, we went to the exact same place and we're from two different cities. Okay. So we're from two different cities. He's about 40, like he lived about an hour away from where I live. Yeah. And literally in the summertime, we went to the same places when we were kids. He moved into my best friend's home. Like they had a rental home and he was living in there when I met him. Like there was so many crazy things. Yeah. 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 So many crazy things. Like there was over 30 different things 
that had aligned us. Like I have a whole show on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh God. But yeah, I knew, I, I knew without a doubt when I had met him that he was, he was it. He was it. And if it's not, mm-hmm. I told him like, cause we had like, at first it was so new and we were so excited and we were so nervous and he didn't want to get his heart broken. I didn't want to get my heart broken. And we kind of put a pause on things. Cause it was like too much. It was overwhelmingly good. It was like almost like too good to be true. Like for the both of us. Yeah. And literally like, I just knew. And I said, you know, if I'm not going to live my life with him in this mm. lifetime, then I'm just going to wait until the next lifetime. And I'll stay, I'll stay on my self mastery journey to myself. And then when I meet him again, I'll be ready. Awesome. Okay. Um, now we've got about 10 minutes left and I could talk to you all day. So we'll, we'll do another <laughs> podcast. So we'll keep them waiting with bated breath, but um, if they want to, if people want to work with you, okay, they want to just quickly talk about how your course structure works, what you cover in that. Is there different courses? Is it one course? Is it 12 months? Is it three months? And then how to get in touch with you. And is that a free consultation? Sorry for all the questions. Yeah, no problem. So I, yeah, I do free consultations for every program. So I offer three different programs. So my soul's mission is to heal, love, awaken, and free other souls. So that's really what my mission is and to have people calibrating at the most purest energetic form of their being. So for me, um, the enlightened love uh, package is, is priced at about um, $25.99. And that's a 90 day program that I work closely with my clients Mm. and all my results are guaranteed. So that's why it's a little bit more of a higher price than most coaches is because my energy actually goes into my work and I make sure that the results are prevalent and that they're guaranteed in that way. So usually we work very closely for a 90 day period. Um, There are some times where I will extend that if they feel that they need a bit more guidance throughout that kind of journey. All my programs are very similar. So that's the enlightened love one. The deep awakening is 35 99. And that is where I bring them through an awakening period where they actually awaken to the true essence of their soul. So a lot of people that have experienced you know, small awakenings or small ascensional periods, they don't understand that there's many stages to awakenings and ascensions. And that's where we need to get in order to actually be functioning at our cellular level of our being. So that's a 90 day program as well with guaranteed results. Um, All my testimonials or I have tons of testimonials on my website and all that. Mm. And then my, my most favorite one, the most that I'm most passionate about is the shamanic healing. So this is a shamanic healing journey. And that is a 90 day program. And the pricing is, I just brought it down to 35 99, but it's typically 45 99, but I brought Mm. it down to 35 99 for April. Um, just as my gift to be able to help as many people. And really what this goes through is that we go through all like the physical aspects, the mental, like the mental health aspects, we go from the spiritual to the spirit right? So there's four layers of our being. So we kind of explore all those things and go through a deep healing journey where I bring them on an actual healing ceremony and a healing celebration at the end of their healing journey. So this is where I'll journey for them. I'll connect them with their spiritual and their animal guides. And I'll, I guide them in order to formulate the right questions in order to ask their guides for the right answers. Amazing. Thank you for being so transparent with that. You didn't have to mention yeah. the prices, but yeah, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> There you go, guys. Roxanne, she's just a she's just an angel waiting to flock into your life. 
Now, if you want to reach out to Roxanne, as usual, all of her social contacts will be in the show notes below. She's got a website, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. So she's floating around everywhere. And um, if you do connect with her, just make sure you mention you found her on the podcast. Um, Roxanne, you beautiful girl. Thank you so much for gracing us with your parent, your presence. Not your parents, but your presence. <laughs> Thank you so much, Amanda, for having me. It was wonderful. Likewise. We'll talk to you soon.